Welcome everyone to this week's Smart Macro Edition. Today, we're going to be speaking with our Chief Investment Officer here at Financial Sense Wealth Management, Chris Maplava. So Chris, as you've been telling us over the past month or two, there's a large amount of US debt that is coming due and rolling over through the remainder of this year and throughout 2024. And I believe when we spoke with you last time, two weeks ago, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it $10 trillion in total that we're looking at through all of 2024? I believe, Chris, it was around four or five trillion for the last three months of the year. Obviously, now we're in November, so that's gone down. Currently, as things stand, it's about three point four trillion between now and the end of the year, and next year is looking at six point seven trillion. So, effectively, we're looking at ten trillion dollars between now and the end of twenty twenty four. And what's a concern, and we'll see these these numbers go up for next year is the more we continue to issue T-bills, the more that's going to mature in 2024. So even that number of 6.7 trillion maturing next year, that's going to go up if we continue to issue over the next two months more and more T-bills. And there was an event that took place this week. So there was a large treasury auction in alignment with what you've been saying. And again, I want to point out that we had a number of people write in after you had been saying this about just the $10 trillion coming due and rolling over in US debt that has to be refinanced. Some people said that that's unbelievable. I mean, they, they almost didn't believe it and had to ask, like, is that really true? <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. Yeah, right. And so this week, we saw signs of this problem that you've been warning about. There was a large treasury auction, 30-year US treasury bonds were being sold. And I understand that it didn't go so well. That's correct. Uh, the bid to cover, or basically the demand for uh, relative to the supply, was very really poor. Uh, it's one of the lowest we've seen in years. And then, essentially, also the the mid yield of all the the um, thirty year bonds are issued relative to the high yield was the highest spread we had seen since 2011 when the U.S. debt was downgraded. So it was a really really weak auction. And according to the Financial Times, this was due to ransomware attack on the Industrial Commercial Bank of China, which was disrupted, uh, disrupted the U.S. Treasury market. So, you know, there's an interesting point on that that I thought was really interesting. The comment was, isn't the bigger story here that a Chinese bank can paralyze the 75 trillion U.S. bond market? So, you know, to me, I, I thought that was really the bigger point, you know, that we saw yields on treasuries, mortgages, corporates, essentially the whole U.S. bond market uh, yields exploded higher and the stock market sold off because of one Chinese bank. I mean, that's one buyer. What about all the buyers in the U.S., all the buyers in the rest of the world? So, you know, I really don't think, Chris, that I think that's honestly just an excuse. The The fact is we're dealing with a really poor liquidity environment in the United States uh, Treasury market. And this will not be a concern for this week. This will be, continue to be a concern, Chris, because we've got, as far as I can see, we have a massive tsunami of debt that is coming due. And the troubling issue, Chris, is it's not just the United States, it's Europe, it's Japan, it's the United Kingdom, it's everywhere. Essentially, coming out of COVID, governments' debt expanded at such a rate that it was so much greater than private balance sheets. So, you know, essentially, without central bank buying, there really is a lack of demand relative to the size of government balance sheets. And we had a problem with this in 2019 with the repo crisis, where the Fed was shrinking its balance sheet. And we're going to continue to see this be a problem because, I mean, think about 
the current supply demand dynamic, right? So we already know supply is huge. On the demand side, the Federal Reserve is shrinking its balance sheet. It's not buying treasuries. And when we look at what commercial banks are doing, they're also net-net selling treasuries. And the reason why commercial banks are selling treasuries is the circular logic because interest rates are high. So what people are doing is they're pulling their deposits from their bank and they're buying T-bills. And when you take money away from your bank, the problem is your bank then to meet your deposit redemption has to either pay you with maturing loans or sell securities. And we look at what's going on in the commercial banking sector. So when we look at deposits right now, deposits are shrinking at six and a half percent versus last year. And we have data going back to the early seventies and we have never, ever, ever seen deposit decline such as this. Uh, even during you know the, the um, financial crisis of 2007 through 2009, we still had net uh, commercial bank deposit growth. And when we look at commercial bank security holdings, those are down by 9.2% year over year. This was the steepest decline in bank securities, steepest decline we've ever seen in, in commercial bank deposits. And so without commercial banks buying, without the Federal Reserve buying, there's a real issue, Chris, with a lack of buyers for all this debt that we have coming due. Yeah. So big picture here, the US is spending way too much money. This is true for many countries as well, as you pointed out. And a large part of the spending came right after the 2020 COVID crisis when all these countries locked down. And so you just saw massive amounts of stimulative efforts by various governments around the globe to try to prevent their economies going into a, basically a depression. I mean, we saw this mini depression just in terms of the depth of the uh, economic decline that we saw, which is, of course, what you would expect when everyone has to stay home and not go out to do things that they normally would. Um, so governments issued all this amount of money. And now that debt to finance all of that stimulus, that debt is now rolling over. And unfortunately, as we've discussed on our show a number of times, the US issued a lot of short-term debt. They did issue some long-term debt as well, but they also issued a lot of short-term debt, you know, one, two years and the like, which does roll over and is rolling over now. So you have this massive supply of US Treasury debt that's rolling over and there's just not enough buyers, right? So we see this mismatch between supply and demand. And that's why with this recent treasury auction of 30 year, there's just not enough buyers. And so what happens in that context is you see rates spike up, right? If there's not enough buyers to take on all this supply, that means rates are going to come up, prices are going to come down. So did I get that correct? That's the gist of it, Chris. I mean, we really are dealing with the supply and demand uh, mismatch. And there's a, an index in Bloomberg. It's called the U.S. Government Securities Liquidity Index. And the higher the number, that means the poorer the liquidity and the lower the number, the better the liquidity. And when we've seen this index get to three or above, we, we've had problems. Uh, for example, the U.S. debt downgrade uh, earlier last decade in March of 2020 when the Fed had to step in. And when you look at things are presently, Chris, even, for example, you know, the um, the excuse was that it was that issue with the Chinese bank yesterday. Well, I'm talking to you today, Chris, and it's at three. So, you know, it's basically a 2.999. So it's only come off a smidge from yesterday. So liquidity even today is still really poor. So, you know, it continues to be an issue and it's been an issue, Chris, uh, in a rising concern for the last two years. And when I talked about the, uh, basically the 10 trillion of debt coming due, we have a problem. And and as I mentioned to you, it's not just the U.S. where we have a ton of debt rolling over. It, we have a liquidity issue even abroad. Uh, there's also a global bond 
liquidity that looks at uh, the U.S., Germany, Italy, Japan, and the U.K., so even more. And that, as of today, Chris, is over three. So that shows a problematic liquidity in developed market bonds, uh, government bonds, not just in the U.S. So, Chris, you mentioned when you look at this index, we're at levels that we've seen in prior periods that have coincided with downgrades in the past. As we saw in 2011, Standard & Poor's had downgraded U.S.'s credit rating. That was a result of the debate in Congress over the size of U.S. debt shutdown. This year, we saw Fitch Ratings, one of the three major credit rating firms, also downgraded its U.S. credit rating. So we've seen this now twice uh, in U.S. history. It's likely we're looking at more, uh, whether or not that's going to happen imminently or you know, in the years ahead. But just given the scenario we're painting here, it seems that that is quite inevitable to see further downgrades. How bad, as chief investment officer of our firm, do you think this could get or what are some of the things that you're looking at when this relates to the broader market outlook? Well, let me uh, kind of circle back and pivot, Chris, to your question. When, you know, uh, one of the things that made the rounds last week was Stan Druckenmiller, who was criticizing the Treasury, that the Treasury should have issued much more longer term debt when interest rates were low. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair, Chris, because I don't know if the government could. I mean, look at what happened. The the biggest problems we're having is on the long end of the yield curve. On the short end, you've got the Treasury Direct program where anyone, mom and pop investors can link their bank account with the Fed and buy T-bills. And we're seeing that in mass. That's where a lot of the bank deposits are fleeing to are short-term T-bills. And also when you look at the repo market at the Fed, the overnight reverse repos, a lot of money has been coming out of that and going into T-bills. The problem is, Chris, the long end. No one wants to hold long-term government or buy long-term government bonds. And so far, we haven't really had a big issue on the short end. But I'm worried, Chris, that, that we might have a, a problem on the entire yield curve spectrum for the U.S. For example, the reverse repo facility in early um, June, it was about $2.2 trillion dollars. And since then, after we lifted the debt ceiling and we had a flood of debt issuance by the U.S. Treasury, it's gone from roughly $2.2 trillion to under uh, $1 trillion. It's now at $993 billion. So we've seen more than a trillion dollars come out of that facility in short order. And again, a lot of that, Chris, has flown into the um, T-bill market from money market funds. So at this pace, we could literally be at zero on overnight reverse repos in just a matter of months. So if we exhaust that pool of buying in overnight repos and we have a continued pressure on the long end, this could really send some uh, destabilizing forces through ripples through the U.S. financial system. And, and that's definitely something I'm concerned about, particularly when you, know, you look at the broad indices, which are dominated by the tech sectors, and those look great. You know, they look, you know, the market looks strong, but when you look underneath the hood, and I, I did this, Chris, literally just as of two days ago, so uh, November 8th, the NASDAQ was up 30%. However, the median member was down 15.9%. When we look at other indices like the um, S&P 500, which was up 14, the median stock, so of those 500 stocks, the median was down two. If we look at the Russell small cap, that actually is down on the year, down 2.76 as of the 8th. The median member was down 11. We look at the S&P small cap 600, 
Then that index was down two and a half, median member down seven. The Dow up 2.8, median Dow stocks were only talking 30 stocks, was down one and a half. Mid caps flat on the year, median member was down 1.3. So there's a huge, massive disparity between indices in the US relative to their overall median members. And that really speaks, Chris, to the, the poor underlining breadth and health of the stock market that you would be fooled by just looking at what the index is doing. And one of the things I've continued to keep my eye on is looking at regional banks. Regional banks got obviously hit with the collapse of Silicon Valley back in March, and they're still probing those lows that we saw back then. They're not recovering, they're not participating, and the amount of borrowing at the Federal Reserve's bank term funding program remains elevated and actually is rising over, I believe the number now is around 113 billion. So problems remain, Chris, and it's a reason why I still think this market is on shaky ground. And I wouldn't believe the the narrative that there's no economic risk and that everything looks great. I just don't ascribe to that philosophy. Well, for any of you listening, if you'd like to read more about this, Chris did write an article titled Goldilocks and the Three Tailwinds. We have that on our blog page. I'll also link out to that where this interview is located on Financial Sense. Some very eye-opening statistics and data that he provides in that. So I encourage all of you to take a look at that article again that we'll have linked out where this interview is located on Financial Sense. Well, Chris, thanks again for speaking with us and giving us an update on your outlook. Too much debt, not enough buyers, and how that is impacting interest rates and borrowing costs, not just for the US, of course, but also for consumers as well. So that is going to be a headwind for economic growth as we look into 2024, as you've discussed. So we look forward to having you on the show in another two weeks. Look forward to it. Thanks, Chris. The Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in financial sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour. Be advised that you invest at your own risk.